listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast by Dr. T. Michael W. Halcom, Dr. Frederick J. Long, Dr. Mario Melendez, Dr. Jennifer Noonan, and J. M. Smith. Welcome and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Proof Text. I am Michael Halcom, and in this episode, we're thinking about the fallacy of the week. Now, um, I'm not going to show any pictures or videos of uh, things that others have been saying about this particular fallacy that we're going to be thinking about today. I just frankly don't want to give them any real airtime. I don't want to put their social media handles out there. I don't want to give them any extra hits. It's so disgusting and, and frustrating. Nevertheless, I'm still going to deal with some of the claims that are being made. So as you all know, I live, uh, well, maybe you know, maybe you don't. I live in Hawaii, and it's a wonderful, amazing, beautiful place. And uh, it's rugged and uh, incredibly insane waterfalls and hiking and beautiful, stunning ocean. And just, it's gorgeous. Um, And I'm fortunate uh, to be able to live here and call this my home. Um, If you've been following the media or news at all in the last week or so, you've heard that wildfires have swept across portions of the state. This has happened on the Big Island, as it's called, which is also known as the Island of Hawaii. That kind of confuses people because Hawaii is a state, and then we also have an island called Hawaii. And so to kind of avoid that confusion, we often call it the Big Island. The the fires there weren't nearly as dramatic as the ones on Maui. Maui caught the bulk of the fire and really the worst of it. And this has led to some people saying that God is pouring out his judgment on the island of Maui and in the islands, the state of Hawaii. And so that raises the question. Is God doing this? Like, is he responsible for the wildfires that have caused nearly, right now, the death tolls around 100? And an entire town has essentially been wiped out and burnt down to the ground. Is God responsible for that? Is he the source of that, the cause of that? Now, uh, I have seen one video of a person saying that well so, something to this effect well in hawaii they they believe in all these pagan deities like maui um and who may be this fire god or this fire deity and well because they believe that they were then consumed with fire <laughs> well the problem with this is that lahaina um lahaina town which was the town burnt down, is only a very small portion of Maui Island, and then only an incredibly small portion of the entire state of Hawaii, the Hawaiian island chain. Um, So if that's the case, then why wasn't the entire island of Maui burnt up, or the islands connected with Maui, or why weren't why wasn't the entire state burnt up? Right. So this is uh, what we might just call um, a perhaps a hasty generalization fallacy. 
um, where you're rushing to conclusions, but you actually don't have adequate evidence and your logic doesn't follow, right? So this is a fallacy that we're, we're hearing all over the place. Uh, another person is saying that, uh, well, this is a, a sign of the end times and um, Jesus' return is near. And again, I think this is a, a, a hasty generalization fallacy. I th also think there's some anecdotal evidence fallacy going on here that is personal opinion rather than fact. Uh, so no one can predict the return of Christ or that it's even near. Nobody knows. Uh, and, and I'll just remind everyone watching or listening, if you go back through history, time immemorial, there is a 100% failure rating on those trying to predict the end of the world or the return of Christ. 100% failure rating. So the statistics don't hold um, that whoever might be saying that the return of Jesus is near is correct. No proof of that. We don't have any proof of that. We just have a bunch of failed <laughs> false prophets, right? A bunch of not even uh, failed prophets, but just false prophets who have said such things, right? So we can't rely on the anecdotal evidence. We can't rely on the hasty generalizations. And so someone from the congregation where I served texted me and asked me, what do you say to somebody who says that God was the cause of this or that God is in this? Well. <laughs> Those are two things I'd I'd say. They're probably you know committing hasty generalization or anecdotal fallacies more than likely. But my response was just prove it, prove it, right? Show me the evidence. Show me the proof, like that you know for a fact that God did this. Show me, show me the proof, right? Uh, people often look to well, Mark thirteen says that you know in the end we'll see. This and this and this and this. Well, that's Mark 13. It's talking about the destruction of the temple, not the end of the world. So that's just bad hermeneutics, bad interpretation, which is exegetically fallacious, right? It's a fallacy, exegetical fallacy. So let me just offer uh, seven or eight additional thoughts on this, um, because I, I think it's important uh, that in this time where real people are struggling, and real people are suffering, real people are now houseless, uh, real people are confused and scared, real people are waiting to see if their loved ones made it or not and be reunited with them, right? These things need to be said, need to be clarified. God is not behind this. God did not do this. Um, we might ask if the point of this was for God to punish uh, Maui, or really Lahaina Town. Let's just narrow it down. Let's call it Lahaina Town. Let's not focus even on the whole island of Maui because it wasn't the whole island of Maui. It was mainly Lahaina Town and a couple other disparate areas. But let's focus on Lahaina Town. If the point of all this is that God was punishing Lahaina Town, or really the people of Lahaina Town, for its sin or their sin, because that's often the claim, then we have to ask, well, what does that say about your soteriology? That is your your view of uh, salvation and your view of atonement, right? If God needs to still punish people for their sin, then what about the death of Christ? How is that effective 
right? To say that God needed to punish Lahaina Town for its sin, doesn't that in a way nullify um, what Christ accomplished at Calvary? So that's something to think about. I mean, if people pay for their sin, then doesn't that in somehow negate some way negate Christ's death? Now, we could talk a lot about atonement and, and soteriology, but that's one thought knocking around in my mind. The, another one is, um, how, how was it, like prove this to me, how do you know that God chose Lahaina Town on the island of Maui in the state of Hawaii for punishment? Aren't there far more sinful places? I, I saw one person saying, uh, you know, people, uh, gay people come here and, and engage in homosexual activities here and uh, in Lahaina Town, and that's why God rained fire down on it, rained judgment down on it. But the reality is there are far more sinful places than Lahaina Town, aren't there? I mean, uh, Epstein Island still seems to be standing. <laughs> if <laughs> another question is if Lahaina Town was God's chosen place to enact punishment, um, how were the people there chosen? So we ask, how then was the town chosen? Because there are a lot more worse places. And then how were the people chosen would be the next question. Are they, were the people in Lahaina Town simply the worst sinners? I mean, that would seem to be the logic we'd have to follow. I mean, this is a tourist spot. So we'll think about it from two different angles here. This Lahaina Town is a very famous tourist spot. I went there as a tourist years ago. Um, and if this fire was local people's faults or locals' faults, then how do we make sense of all the tourists' deaths? There's a lot of tourists got caught in this. Only had a few minutes to try to escape. Well, let's flip it. If the tourists were bringing all the sin there that needed judging, then how do we make sense of the local people's deaths? Right, now we're into like the circular thing. Who do we blame it on? Well, prove it. Prove it that it was one of their deaths or the other or both. Prove it. Another question I have related to this is then, why at this time in history? I mean, Lahaina Town's been around for a long time. It's a historic town in Hawaii. Been around for a long time. Why now? Prove it. Prove it. Why now? Prove to me why now as opposed to some other time. Uh, a second thought I have, or a third thought perhaps, um, rolling around in my head is, you know, people blame God for this. <laughs> You know, God, this is God's fault. He's behind this. He's in this. Why Why are people not blaming Satan? Why does it always go to God? I mean, Satan is an agent with free choice as well, just like you and I. Why not blame Satan rather than God? Why is it always God getting the blame? Uh, another point, a fourth point I have uh, that I want to put out there is why not blame ourselves <laughs> for having for not having better protocol in place? 
to prevent these issues or to deal with them when they're at hand? I mean, how is that God's fault? If we are the ones that didn't have the protocol in place, doesn't some of that onus fall to us? Like, how do we just blame God by default? Um, another thing, I mean, we can, we can turn to Scripture for a few minutes. And one really good place to look uh, to think about God and natural disasters is Luke chapter 13. And if you're watching, I'm just going to pull that up on the screen. We're going to go there, and we're just going to read a little bit of Luke 13. So let me let me do that here. If you're watching, it'll pop up here on the screen in a moment. All right, so we got Luke 13 up here, and um, we're just going to read. I got the Greek and English on the screen if you're watching. If, if you're listening, I'm just going to read the English. It's the NIV version. Um, but there are a few a few stories here right nestled at the, the beginning of Luke 13 that are really interesting to consider when we're thinking about God in relation to natural disasters. Um, we start at Luke 13, 1. It says, Now, there was some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus, so implying that Pilate killed them and mixed their blood with the sacrifices. And Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. So this is interesting. So we have these Galileans who had been murdered by Pilate and Jesus, in this scenario, says, you think it's because there were worse sinners than you that they died? Absolutely not. And what Jesus doesn't do here um, is, is attempt to point the source back to God or even to try to find the source. No, he just says, now, in the wake of this, you know, like, learn from it and repent. Repent, um, or you too will perish. So he, he's not source hunting or calls hunting. He's not even concerned with the question of, of what is the source. And we keep reading uh, in another similar story. He says in 13.4, Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But Unless you repent, you too will all perish. So the same thing. You have people who were murdered, and then you have this other scene where a tower fell on people. It's like a, a act, you know, a, a natural act, an act, a disaster, right? I don't want to call it an act of God. I almost did that, but it wasn't an act of God. We often call these things that errantly. And this wasn't an act of God. A tower fell on people. Uh, bridges have collapsed. Trains have hit cars. Babies have had cancer. There's, um, people have been murdered. People have, yeah, I mean, endured all sorts of horrible things in this life. This one, a tower fell over on people. You think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem, Jesus asked? No way. No way. But unless you repent, you too will perish. So learn from learn a lesson. Again, he isn't 
calls hunting or source hunting. He isn't asking the question, you know, why did God do this? Or why even why did God allow this? Not at all. He's simply saying now there's an appropriate response that you know about that. Repent before your God. So that you don't perish. In other words, so that you may live. And we can keep, uh, he tells a parable after this about a fig growing in a vineyard. a vineyard, and um, And then we hear about this lady who was bent over, starting in 13, uh, 10 and 11, this lady who was bent over for 18 years, crippled by a spirit, couldn't straighten up her back. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. He put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. <laughs> and so, um, in this case, notice that what what Jesus says, uh, and, or uh, sorry, Luke tells us, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for eighteen years. So, in this case. And uh, unclean or evil spirit somehow and, and oppressed this woman, and she had been oppressed for nearly two decades. Now Jesus isn't source hunting again, but I also want to make the point he isn't blaming God. If anything, he's pointing the other direction, right, toward an evil spirit. So why isn't that kind of more our natural default? Like, not why has God done this or why is God allowing this, but is there an evil spirit involved in this? No, we can get kind of carried away with that too. We can ask um, logical things as to why, you know, events happen as well. But, it's, you know, I think it's an important point that uh, sometimes we should look the other direction, not, not in God's way, not in God's direction, perhaps. If we were to look at John uh, 9, Right at the start there, in the first few verses, we would find much of the same issue. Actually, we can go do that. John 9, uh, 1 to 3. Let's do that. And you see this blind man. Jesus went along, and he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. He's not saying God caused it, right? Um, and I don't, I don't know about this. Um, so that this, I would maybe translate, but this happened, and as a result, the works of God are just being displayed in him. Not that God caused it, uh, but that regardless of the condition, God is still seen through this person. So. Uh, God isn't blaming it, and Jesus or Jesus isn't blaming God. Jesus isn't isn't calls or source hunting like the disciples are, and in fact, um, Jesus is never doing this. And any time we see someone trying to do this, in the case of the Galileans murdered, or the people smashed by the falling tower of Siloam, or here this this blind man. Uh, Jesus isn't pointing to God. He isn't blaming God. He isn't source hunting. Instead, he's offering a way to react in each situation, to repent if possible, that one might have life, to heal if possible, and so to act accordingly in a holy manner um, 
in the given circumstance. And I dare say that's what we are supposed to do. We're not supposed to spend our time speculating necessarily about uh, the cause, right? Or blaming God, whether he's at fault, right? Jesus isn't out searching for root causes. But what he is doing is he's responding and acting in a way uh, after these tragedies that make a positive difference or positive change. Another thing that, you know, this brings to mind for me is, you know, people will often say, well, wait, 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 wait. God uses and causes disasters in the Old Testament. Well, yeah, there's truth to that. Good point. Um, but, and this is really an important point, not normally. Yeah, not normally. God isn't doing this normally, right? The, the flood, for example, was a one-time thing. And here's the thing, when God uses natural disasters or causes or seems to be the source of a natural disaster in the Old Testament, read closely and what you'll find is that there are warnings, loud and clear, that precede these uh, natural disasters. Always a warning, right? And, you know, when we think about Maui right now, well, we didn't really get any warning about this. You know, some meteorologist a, a day or two ahead was saying, hey, there's a hurricane door going south and we might have strong winds, but uh, and that could create hazardous fire conditions, but they weren't speaking a religious word. Right? There were no pastors and preachers going around behind the town saying, hey, evacuate the town because in two days God's going to send a judgment to fire. That's what we see in the Old Testament, like Noah was preaching for 120 years, calling people to repentance and warning them. Yeah, we don't see that in Maui. So that's one thing we can measure by if we're going to use the Old Testament as our measuring guide. Uh, another thing that, you know, I'll just come back, a circle back to this, is this whole end time zeal. It often overrides logic and reason and results in a lot of fallacies. It's bad logic and bad theologic. It's bad theology. Um. People will say, well, God was doing this, raining fire down on Maui, judging them to lead them to repentance. Well, my question then is, how effective was God at bringing about repentance? I read an article just today from um, a report over in Maui. A, some, a journalist was interviewing somebody who had lived through this, this awful tragedy. And the interviewee said, I'm losing my faith in God. Yeah, so how effective was it? Because I haven't seen any widespread reports of people repenting and, and turning to, to God. Um, also, churches were burned down. Well, someone might say, well, those were heretical churches. Well, how do you know? Prove it. Um, Another issue I have with that is that believers, like God-fearing good believers, died in this. So how, how does that make sense? How's the logic add up there? If God was doing this to lead, you know, rain down judgment on people who needed to repent, what about the faithful believers who died? Like it just doesn't add up, right? A lot of logical fallacies. The reality is that, hey, look, in life, man, sometimes bad things happen. And we don't say bad things happen to good people because none of us are really good people. 
bad things happen to bad people. All of us, right? Um, and sometimes Satan may be the source of it. Sometimes an evil person may be the source of our heartache. Sometimes we may be the heart of our heartache. Or not, right? Um, but our main task in the wake of these sorts of things isn't to spend time blaming at the moment, but helping as Christ's body. The last sort of thing that I'm thinking about here is that, you know, there is no proof that God caused this. I think, you know, when I look at Maui and I'm seeing my brothers and sisters in Christ and serving people there, oh, it's amazing the stuff, the stories I'm hearing. Incredible. Um, a fellow believer uh, took someone in the first night of the fire and uh, she was in chemotherapy and all her medicine got burned up. She didn't have time to go in and get it. So they helped her the next day, like scour the island for chemotherapy meds. So they've been housing 20 plus people, feeding them, clothing them. I mean, tourists and locals alike. The stuff that's happening even now uh, <laughs> that God is doing is just incredible. That God is doing through his people. It's amazing. So many stories I could share. I will say, you know, that disasters, I think, have a way of retuning us to the voice of God, the movement of God, the presence of God. Sometimes when we're in these, like, ultra-low valleys, we get like spiritually recalibrated and retuned and we're able to like, it's like we're able to pick up on, on God moving all around us. And you know, I think that is happening in Maui. I'm certain of it. And so it's a beautiful thing to see that. Um, I don't think from scripture we could prove that God caused this. I don't think from an, a scientific standpoint, we can prove that God called this. And so all we're really left with then is like hasty generalization, hasty generalizations, anecdotal evidence, and exegetical fallacies. Right? So, nah, God didn't cause this. And I feel confident in my assertion of that based on scripture and just based on the circumstances of what has happened. And so I would encourage you to continue praying for the good folks of Maui and the bad folks of Maui um, and really pray for those who are boots on the ground day in and day out, taking care of people, serving people, meeting people's needs. That's what's really needed. So. Yeah, this is a longer episode than usual, but I hope that helps. Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glow's House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glow's House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glow'sahouse.com today. Glow's House, language resources for the global community.